and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. I believe that we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But where do we begin? Personally, financially, spiritually, relationally... And often because we don't know where to focus, we do nothing. At least that's the space I lived in for several years. I know what it feels like to constantly be spinning my wheels. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Daily Journal. After working through the Dream Life Action Planner, we need to do something every day so we actually take steps in the direction we desire. Throughout the years, I've developed success habits that have helped me to create a Dream 10 life in all areas by focusing on one area at a time. And I teach you exactly what to do each and every day in the Dream Life Daily Journal. You'll find a gratitude game every day to start the morning off right. A space for prayer, meditation, journaling. A space to write down your clear and intentional dream life goal with affirmations and visualizations connected to that goal. You'll then have a spot to write down your dream life action to-do list so you can be intentionally taking action towards your goal every single day. I know that by completing the Dream Life Daily Journal every day for at least 30 days, you can create momentum. And when you do that, my friends, you can live your dream life too. Check out the dreamlifetoolkit.com or Amazon to get your copy of the Dream Life Daily Journal today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. All right, you guys, we are going to hone in on a skill that we might not realize we need yet will separate us from the pack. Our next guest is really like her fire is lit by helping people grow their business with email. And it's kind of funny because sometimes we hear, oh, email's outdated. Do people even open their emails anymore? Maybe we need to be on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all of the things. And she says, okay, no, I still use email and build my business primarily through email and it's working. So this is something we really do need to learn. And so I'm excited to connect with our next guest as she teaches us all things selling through email, building a community through email, connecting with our dream client through email. Big Dreamcast, welcome to Tarzan K. Hey, thanks for having me. Yay. Well, I'm excited to connect with you. I actually spoke with your friend Allison yesterday and um, she brought your name up and I thought, awesome, I'm going to get to know Tarzan too. So before we jump into how you help people right now build their businesses, I'd love to hear how the heck did you get so interested in email? Well, that's a quite serendipitous story. So in my career, I started as a copywriter and I started writing uh, and I was writing all sorts of things mostly websites, sort of whatever someone would pay me to do, I kind of would just say yes and figure it out. As my business had to... These were in the days where my business was like kind of making a little bit of money. I was like young, single, no kids, like didn't really have to earn much money, you know, living in a cheap apartment. So had no expenses. I'll just like have fun, dabble in this. Total dabbler, doing everything. 
not being very successful at it. And then fast forward a couple years of dabbling and like pretending to be a copywriter and then not being a copywriter. I had a baby. And then when that baby was one year old, my partner and I decided that I would be the moneymaker and he would stay home and take care of the kid. And I don't, I don't know where he found it in himself to trust me. I think he saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself, which I'm so grateful to him for that. So I uh, was like, okay, I, I'm going to be a real business. And I was like, as real business as I could, I rented an office and I got a desk and I went to my office every day. And there were a lot of days where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. Threw a lot of stuff at the wall. But I did start taking digital courses, uh, starting with B-School. After that, I took a course that Amy Porterfield used to have called Courses That Convert. I started taking courses. And I started connecting with people who were also building courses and building their businesses online. And quickly, I realized websites weren't my jam. And I really wanted to get into the online course space. So I started helping people with their sales pages and with their emails. And then in my second year of business, I entered this competition, like of all things, like so weird, and you never know where things are going to lead you. But there was this competition, and it was an email copywriting competition. And I was like, I think I'm good at email. I think uh, I'm going to try and like try my hand at this competition. And it was a three-day thing. And by day two, I was like, no, I'm not just going to enter this competition. I'm going to win this thing. And I put everything I had into it and I hustled votes. Like it wasn't just writing. You also had to like get people to vote for you. So I worked hard. I did some good writing and I won the competition. And that competition gave me some really great visibility on the scene. It led to people hiring me, people referring me. It led to so many great things, probably the most important of which I was like, hey, this is my special skill. I, this is what I really love to do. And this is what I'm, I'm just going to focus only on this. So for the next couple of years, I really like I was writing emails for clients. And I also started building my own email list and emailing that list and building my business through email. This was basically the only free content I was creating. I didn't do social media. I did just add Instagram six months ago. And it's made a big difference. But I didn't have the bandwidth back then. I was like, what can I do? And what can I do consistently? And what am I good at naturally? And that was email. So I committed in like my second year of business, I think it was, I made the commitment to email my list every other week. That was what felt doable. And I had 37 people on my email list. But I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do it. So I started emailing my list. And a year later, after nurturing them for almost a whole year, now I'm like going into my third year of business, I'm about to have a baby. And I wanted to do like a promotion to just like generate some money that would allow me to go on maternity leave because no maternity leave payout for me self employed at the time. And my husband is still home with the kids, no money coming in there. So I did a promotion and I was so blown away by the results. I was like, oh my God, this actually works. Like there's all these people. I hadn't made any offers to them. I'd just been consistently talking to them, replying to their replies and building relationships. And I was blown away by the success of this promo. And it wasn't like a world changing sum of money, but actually it was. I think, I don't even remember the number, but let's say it was in the neighborhood of like $30,000. I 
was just like, I, I couldn't believe it. And I right away thought, well, like imagine if there were more people on my email list, it would have been even more successful. So it was around that time that I started actually emailing my list every week. Now I email my list three times a week and I could email them every day. Like that's how much I'm in the groove. It's really fast. And I'm always thinking of like fun things I want to share with them. And my unsubscribe rate is not any higher than usual. People love my emails. People often say like, Hey, Tarzan, yours are the only emails that I read. I get that all the time. So it's totally my jam. And I've done like, I've done many launches of my own products. Like now I teach about email and I have a course about email. I also do affiliate promotions. So now my revenue, there's a few clients. I do VIP days, but that's it. And um, still, email is the engine of everything. I add, As I said, I added Instagram about six months ago. And it's been great. Like I love connecting with people. I'm having so much fun with it. Therefore, I'm really consistent with it. But I also have way more support now. So I can do more channels and do them well. What I think happens a lot is like when you're starting a business, you're like, I need to do email. I need to do Instagram. I need to be on Facebook. Oh, now TikTok is that's so hot. Maybe I should be on there. And we end up doing all the things really inconsistently. So one thing I I want people to know is like, it's going to be so much better for your business if you just focus on one thing and master that and add another thing. So even if you're like, "Mm, maybe email is not for me. I think email is a good place to start because your email addresses, you always have them. You're not at the mercy of any algorithm that could change at any time. However, I think a social media following is great too. Just like do it consistently if that's what you're going to do. Right. Pick, pick your mode of communication with your audience and then do it well. So it becomes natural. It becomes a habit. And once it's quote unquote easy, then maybe add another platform to the mix. But it was a couple things you did. Number one, you did the competition and you won. That helped you mm-hmm. to build your confidence with this one skill. And then mm-hmm. you did it yourself while you're training and teaching others. Tell us about why you think your promotion worked so well. Your first time like creating an offer and giving it to your audience. And why did oh, it 100% because I was playing the long game and I had done the work of building a relationship. What I see a lot of people do, particularly when they're launching something like a digital course, let's say you have like a brick and mortar practice, you're some sort of healer or I don't know, therapist or something like that. They are also healers. And you're like, okay, I'm tired of seeing people one-on-one. I want to scale. Therefore, I'm going to build an online course. What most people do is they build the course and then they're like, oh, who am I going to sell this to? There's no one there to sell it to. You haven't done the work of building an audience. Therefore, it's really hard to just buy leads and get them to buy your thing. That's like requires a certain level of mastery to convince people to buy your thing when they just met you five minutes ago. Whereas like the people that you have built rapport with over a couple of months or a year or several years, like those people are always going to be your best buyers, your best cheerleaders, the people who share your stuff, they become your case studies, because they didn't just buy on impulse, they've been watching you for years. So hands down, like, that's why it was successful, because I took the time to build rapport through email only basically only through email. Another way of saying that is like, I've always been playing the long game in my business. I've always been playing the long game right from the beginning. Of course, we have to pay the bills and got to keep the lights on. 
So you need to have some short game strategies to just like book some clients, make some money. That's really important. The quote unquote passive income projects, I'm saying passive because they don't feel very passive at all, but they are more passive than sitting with a client and talking to them one-on-one. Those strategies require you to have long game. You have to have both. Yep. Yep. Short game would be a here and now type of launch or offer, whereas the long game is building up something long-term. And when you say passive income, it truly, you mean a product that's already been created that you just sell consistently. Yeah. And specifically short game would be like, Hey, Denise, like, I know you have these teenage journals coming out. So probably you need a couple things. Like, let's say I'm a copywriter. I'm pitching you to hire me to write your copy. Denise, you've got these teenage journals coming out. What a cool product. I feel like I, it would be so helpful in your sales process to have a couple of really strong emails and maybe like a one page website. Uh, I could write these things for you. Like, do you want to have a conversation about it? Simple, direct, making an offer to one single person. You need to be able to do that. We need that. I mean, right now, as we're recording, it's March 26, very like uncertain times. A lot of people just like need to make some quick revenue. This is a good time to have some short game and just be able to reach out to people, plan and sell a small offer. It's also a great time to play the long game if you have time on your hands to like, do the types of activities that are going to pay off for you six months or a year, better yet, five years from now, you're going to thank you're going to be loving up on yourself so hard for doing the work that you did. So for those of that are listening that are thinking, okay, I need an email list, I should figure out how to, to build and um, I want to say massage, you know, really get to know mm. and cultivate that relationship. And it could certainly be through email, you guys. It could also be through a post on Facebook. So when we talk about writing in general, think about the platform you're using most. Is it email? Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Is it YouTube? Is it blogging? However, you're communicating most consistently with your audience. For someone who's coming in and they're like, I haven't written since high school, or mm. but I want to start a business, how can they start to develop some of these skills? Okay. So writing is a skill that is learned. Very few people are just born with the skill and they're really good at it. I think that happens sometimes. Some people definitely get a bit of a leg up, but most of us just have to learn and we learn by doing, and there's almost no way around it. I do think it's a great idea to, to like, you know, collect some resources about writing or take a course about writing copy. There are so many good ones. I don't sell them myself. There's lots of good ones though. So taking a class and getting, there's like lots of just skills and like tricks of the trade that you can learn. Like just as an example, like something that I often talk about is the battlefield principle, which is basically a fancy way of saying everything you write should have a hook. And the reason it's called the battlefield principle is like you drop your reader in the middle of the action. So you don't give a long backstory as to like the feud between two families and what happened and all the details. And then that led to this big battle. And then these, it's like, you don't give the backstory. You start like two kings clashing swords, dead bodies strewn across the landscape, right? That's really important one, starting with a hook. So, you know, it's, it's good to like learn some of these techniques, but most of the work is done through just writing and practicing. The reason that I am such a strong writer is because I write every single day. Like I actually publish something every day. 
either an Instagram post, an email, something gets published every day, including Saturday and Sunday, most of the time. So that's like, for me, I mean, I'm a writer, that's my business. So I don't think everyone has to publish that often. But it does mean people see me more often. It means my writing is just constantly improving. I've written so many emails for clients. That's why I'm good at it. So if you are sitting here listening, thinking like, I'm not a great writer, well, it's going to come through practice. One thing for people who haven't written since like high school, or particularly for people who are really well educated, who did like a lot of university studies, we tend to write like in an overly academic way. I love this. If you go to the website, HemingwayApp.com, they also have a desktop app. I recently was at their website and they said, desktop app now available. I haven't tried it, but I love Hemingway app. You can just like, you could write your email and then just like copy paste it into Hemingway app. And it will highlight where your sentences are hard to read. It will highlight where you've used adverbs, which you can usually just delete and everything still makes sense. Like it's a really nice editing tool to teach you how to write simply. It also grades your writing. Like, and I, I usually say aim for a fifth grade reading level, not because your subscribers only have the IQ of a fifth grader, but because we're all busy. There's so many things trying to get our attention that are really easy to digest. Like, just make it easy for me to read this thing because there's like funny gifs that I want to look at right now. And my brain is like, go there, go there. That's going to be a lot easier. I was going to ask, how do you know if it's good? Even if you practice, you, how do you know if it's it's good or not? But it sounds like you can edit it through the HemingwayApp.com, thinking about it as so concise and uh, like a fifth grader. You know, you're, you're yeah. not fluffy. You're really just getting yes. to the point. Yeah. Are there other you, metrics that you use definitely. to grow? Yeah, definitely. So to me, when it comes to email, the most important metric to look at is like how many people are replying. So that's something that we pay close attention to the number of email replies. When they start to slip, then I'm like, Oh, okay, especially if it's if it's during a promotion, when I'm sending more emails, it's gonna slip because I'm, you know, more stuff is just falling through the cracks, not everyone's looking at it. But I can always gauge how well a promotion is going to do by the number of email replies that I'm getting. If I'm not getting very many, I'm like, mm, something's off. I got to tweak something here. And if I'm getting a lot, I know like, oh, this is really hitting home. It's going to be a really successful promotion. So that's probably the best metric to look at. And you can't just log into your email provider and look at that. You have to organically look at them and read them. And um, I always recommend that you be in competition with yourself. So when you're looking at your open rate and your click-through rate and the number of replies you're getting, instead of asking yourself, what is normal? What's average? Think about like, what's my normal and how could I do just a little bit better today? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Really taking a look at your stats and then competing with yourself, raising your communication, your connection, your community mm -hmm. with yourself. And so do you ask people in every email to reply and tell you something? Well, it gets redundant after a while. So you can't always do that. And I would definitely recommend that, particularly in your welcome email or your welcome sequence when people are new. Because when you have low volume, you want to start a conversation with everybody. I used to know someone who she sent a, well, a video, a personalized video to every single person who joined her email list. Like she wasn't having hundreds of people join a day. It was probably like half a dozen. 
So, you know, it took 10 minutes of her time to individually welcome everyone. Those are the sorts of strategies you can use to make your small email list work for you. Many people think that the solution to all their revenue issues is to just have more, more Instagram followers, more email subscribers, more whatever. It's not the solution, I promise. This like what's it's so advantageous for you to learn how to develop real relationships and make real connections with people before you try and scale it. Otherwise, you're scaling nothing. And nothing times nothing, like nothing times 1 million is still nothing. Right, 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 right. So it's really about the depth, the depth of the community, the depth of the connection, so that they really feel like they're getting to know you through these emails. Do you have Mm -hmm. another email writing strategy tip you could share? Okay, well, commit to consistency. And consistency doesn't have to be three times a week like me. It can be once a month. I think once a month is, I would actually say every two weeks at a minimum, that consistency is so important. We don't realize what does it say about you? If I joined your email list, I didn't hear from you until three months later. And then I heard from you again, five weeks later. Like it doesn't say I am a pro. I am the one who will show up and deliver. It actually says, hey, I'm semi-committed to my business. Do you want to work with me? (sighs) The consistency is so important. So uh, that's one thing, consistency. Let me see what other my top tips are. I also would say um, one thing that you have to train your brain to do is look for those story hooks in everyday life. So as an example, like I've trained my brain to do this. I used to write ideas down. Like I would have like a, I would make myself notes, voice notes or have like a note now I just do it automatically. I have a band-aid on the bottom of my foot right now because I stepped on my kid's toy. But actually, no, it was like that snot sucker that you use for little kids. And I stepped on it and actually it like cut me. And I was like, my kid's been sick. And I was like, does he have coronavirus? Can I get it through my foot? Like, uh, okay, this is going to be a really funny email. I have the reflex now, but it's some it's like a neural pathway that I had to carve in over the years. So before you have that developed, like you do just have to make a note when you hear something that's funny, like an anecdote or something that or a story that might make a good email, you got to write it down. In fact, I probably should still write things down because I get ideas all the time and forget them. Well, and I think that's exactly right. Like you can really make a story about anything. You can create a compelling, funny, interesting story about going to Target or stepping on your child's snot sucker or whatever it is. Uh, Yeah, I've read lots of good emails about Target for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and when your eyes are open to it, then then that you can really remember them and start to develop those stories because people will tell me, oh, my life is boring. I don't have anything to say, but that's just not true. We're just not, not true. We're not aware of it because we're not asking to be. We're not focused on it. Yeah. I mean, the human experience is so rich and so deep. We go through so many things like look at what is happening in the world right now. I mean, There's just like, if you think that you don't have anything to talk about, I promise you are just not looking hard enough because life is rich and life is full of experiences. It's more a matter of like, how can I, like, what's interesting? Just asking like, what's interesting about this? Because what's interesting about me stepping on my child's toy, I had to look for that 
and relate, you know, I had to step on it and be like, that was funny. And then say something funny to my husband later and was like, okay, maybe there's something here. It's relatable. Like people often think, well, I haven't like done that many interesting things. Like I didn't win any super cool contest or I didn't like work for this such and such a famous client. Like all that stuff doesn't matter. Actually, what I find like as my business grows, a lot of my most important wins, they actually make like serve to make me less relatable. Like I'm looking for stuff that's more like everyday stuff that anyone can be like, oh yeah, like ugh, that happens to me. These freaking Legos that are always on the floor. They hurt so bad, you know? So you, you got to just look, look for what you may see as mundane. But if you find the funny in it or find the interesting in it, your subscribers will appreciate that so much. And that's how they connect with you. Yeah, I think it's really true. When we started experiencing success in our business, we didn't talk about it a ton, you know, because we couldn't say, I mean, we could, but people wouldn't believe us anyway. We really had to, because they don't care about that as much as you think they do. They just want to know how can you help them? And how are are you going to show up? Are you going to be consistent? Are you going to, do you have the belief transfer that they can trust Mm -hmm. that you're going to take them on that journey? And that's why, what is it? The reality TV is so popular because people want to know that all these famous people are just normal. (laughs) Just normal, just like us. Yeah. So over the last few years, you really figured out your niche. You've developed it and you have uh, expanded your clients. You've grown your business. Tell me what is one road bump or speed bump that you had to overcome as your business started to grow? Probably one of the biggest and the best ones is like what it has forced me to confront in my relationship with my husband, because it really, uh, for a woman to be the primary earner, it upsets the foundation of our whole culture, which is built on patriarchy. And patriarchy says that a man's highest worth in the world is making money and achieving things. And a woman's worth is to take care of children and be nice and bring everybody together. So it's like, you don't even realize how much that dominant narrative lives in us until you start doing something that's radically different. And you're like, oh my God, this is so confronting. Making decisions about money. Like in the early days of my business, I felt like I had to ask my husband if I could spend money, even though... I was the one making the money. And I don't know if at the time, I didn't like pretty early in my business, I made sure my business had its own account. It probably took me maybe six to eight months. But you know, it took a while before my business had its own accounts and its own credit cards and all those things. So but even when I had those things, I often would bring money questions to him from a place of like needing permission or needing him to be okay with it. And he was never okay with it. He's not in the world with me. He's not, I wasn't proven. I didn't have success yet. So to come to him and say like, I want to spend $15,000 on a mastermind in my first year of business. How could he support me in that? All he sees is $15,000 that we don't have anymore. And so, and it was really hard for him because he's also not like, he's not in the day to day. He doesn't see the money coming in. He doesn't see the money going out. I mean, he sees our joint account where there's like a paycheck that lands there every week, but he's not in the weeds of my business finances. So I had to retrain myself to look elsewhere for when I had those types of questions 
just recently I hired, I brought on a new bookkeeper and accountant and it's like a big, like, well, I mean, to me, it's significant. It's a significant amount of money. And I tapped my community and my fellow entrepreneurs first. He now, like we've had so many deep conversations and we worked through so much of our, our stuff. So, you know, we're in a better place now. And now I can say like, Hey, I just need you to be a sounding board. Let me talk this over. And he knows like, I'm not looking for permission. And I've definitely had to like make financial, so many financial decisions on my own and just having that separation. Like I am a, like I said earlier in this podcast, at the time I was self-employed. I do not feel like a self-employed person at all right now. I am a business owner. I have a corporation. It has employees. It has expenses. It costs $50,000 a month to run. I am the only person, me and my business manager, who can like really sit down and make big decisions. Like, should we hire? Can we afford to hire this bookkeeper? Is this a good idea? So that's a long answer. But I just want to say entrepreneurship is like one of the greatest personal development journeys you can go on because it's just so triggering. So triggering for me and my business. It's triggering in my relationship. Like just so much stuff we've had to work through. And of like my business has done so much for us. I'm so grateful to it. Also, what I'm most grateful for is like the growth that we have gotten as a family and it, as individuals out of this journey. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I feel like it's something that a lot of people don't talk about, but it's so mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I work together, but it's, I find myself asking for permission and seeing, do you think mm-hmm. this is okay? And um, often even waiting for him to be the driver of my dreams. Mm. And I've had to realize I am the CEO of my own dream, right? And that I can't yes. wait for him. And so I resonate quite a bit with your story. And I think it's really a tipping point for a lot of women who are saying, I want to have a dream come to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. And when you hear these phrases that feel like platitudes, like step into your power, that's what it actually is. Like it's not as glamorous and as hot and fun as stepping into your power. It's like, you're making decisions for yourself, even when some you're not fully supported, like stepping into your power is like, nope, I know that I must do this. This is the right thing. I will go forward with this. Yeah. It's learning to trust yourself. And I was talking with my community this morning that we're not looking for confidence because confidence comes with the action, right? We're looking for courage, like courage and taking that bold step even when we don't quite know how it's going to turn out or even when we're just, you know yeah. what I mean? I think that that at the end of the day is more of what we need because really it's always easier to retreat, right? It's always easier mm-hmm. to just succumb. And mm-hmm. I was a clinical psychologist before my entrepreneurial journey. And I remember feeling the zombie land of living for the weekends and not being engaged with what I was doing and just going through the motions mm-hmm. because I didn't really like it. And I think so many times people live there. So if the alternative is being our own CEO, whatever that looks like, it means we're on the front lines, right? It means we're mm-hmm. making those decisions. It means we're fully invested and we're not allowing ourselves the, the chance to retreat. We can have days off, but still, we're on the front lines. <laughs> 100%. That's a great way of looking at it. We're on the front lines. Yeah. So for those that are listening that are like, all right, I have had a dream in my heart. Like I want to start a business or I want to, I I just spoke with somebody who 
she lost her brother to suicide and she wants to create a subscription box to help people through grief. You know, she Mm. has this dream, this desire. And so many times we have this idea and then we let it pass or we think it's too hard for, for somebody who's listening, who has that dream, that spark yet they're in that like, okay, do I, do I take a chance? What do I do? What would you Mm. say to them? I would say it's going to be hard and it's going to be worth it. And you're going to thank yourself every single day that you decided to do this. Not because of all the money you make or all the freedom you get. And that stuff's great. That stuff's really important. But um, I want to encourage anyone who's starting a business to be there for the journey. The journey's hard. And, but so is being human. We signed up for a very brave and important journey. Just having, just coming, just being born, just by being born. So you did that and you can do this too. And the more we focus on the journey that we're on, I think that helps being detached from outcomes and whether or not something works or not, everything works. When it doesn't work, you learn something and you got to step closer to the next thing that works. So that's, that's a lesson that I feel like I've had to learn um, just recently because I got really attached to outcomes and I started to hold my business as my identity and my success as my identity. And, you know, it's cool, but kind of (laughs) unfulfilling. So now I'm really looking at like, like, certainly in these uncertain times that we're living right now. And I don't know, I'm in the middle of a, I'm in a promotion right now. And it's a very strange time to be promoting something And I've put all we haven't like I haven't promoted anything in my business for several months now because we've all it's all been a preparation and a build up and a runway to this launch that we're doing right now. And I don't know how it's going to perform revenue wise. I know I believe in it. So I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm just reminding myself like, I'm here for the journey. So whatever happens, If I end up having to like do some sort of pivot and make something happen so I can pay my employees and keep the lights on, like I signed up for the journey. So I'm just going to be on it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and I think that even if it's uncertain times, people absolutely still need and want what you have. So I say true. (laughs) True. Well, we're very fortunate in these times that we're already online. It's like we're already 10 steps ahead of everyone. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So two last questions for you. Um, I want to hear about who you've learned from, what your favorite books are, what have you done to keep yourself going? Uh, Maybe some books you always recommend to people uh, that have really stood out to you. So in my early, early days of business, I read a couple of financial books that made a really big impact on me. One of them was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is just like, I I don't know why, but it had a real effect on me, just like in terms of having thinking like an entrepreneur. So I think it's a great one in the early days. Also, Barbara Stanny has a wonderful book called Overcoming Under Earning. And I feel like every female entrepreneur who is new in business should absolutely read that book. It is such an important book. And that book got me really examining my beliefs about my worth and my beliefs about money. Really important book. She's written more since then. And they're also on the subject of money. She has a wonderful book called Sacred Success that I'm just looking at in my bookshelf right now. So those are two that were really influential to me in the early days. And um, 
now I'm you know, in my fifth year of business and uh, I've been working with the same coach for almost 10 years. Her name's Kathleen O. And something that I've added as like a regular practice in personal growth is breathwork. And breathwork has been just really important for me to work through so many things and connect to something bigger than myself. So that's one of my core practices and I can't recommend it highly enough. Mm, awesome. So that might be the answer to my next question, but I'll ask it anyway. Great. Something great. else stands out because we now I often say that it's the consistency of every day, right? Showing up every day. And so when we are staying focused, we care keeping our own fire lit. We have to do that every day. So we have something to give and we see our vision and where we're going. So what is one thing that you do every day that you couldn't live without? One thing that I do every day that I couldn't live without, oh boy, I know there's quite a lot of things that I do every day, but I, because I do them every day, they're so ingrained. Um, let me think. Well, okay. This isn't something that I do every day and it's something that I've just added in and I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to talk about that. This is like only a couple times a week. Anytime that I'm it the chips fall that I'm taking a shower in the morning. I have kids, so morning, evening shower, very unpredictable. But today I did happen to find myself in the shower at 8:30 a.m. And uh I have been taking cold showers. My husband went on a retreat with Wim Hof last year, Wim Hof the Iceman, who teaches all about cold therapy and cold baths. And for those of you that don't know Wim Hof, if you go on Netflix and you watch The Goop Lab with Gwyneth Paltrow, you can see an episode with Wim Hof. It's really interesting. Anyway, so my husband's been doing cold baths for like a year. We have a freezer in our backyard with cold water in it. Like he's like true ice baths. And I've always been like, nope, not for me. Cool. I see the benefits. He has so much energy. His body temperature, like his core temperature is much higher now. Anyway, I was like, great, great for you. Not for me. Thanks. I like warm showers. But a couple of weeks ago, well, like I was home with my kids. We're stuck at home. We're in quarantine. I can't go anywhere. I can't exercise. I'm like, and I'm like losing my mind and I'm losing my mind. I'm so low energy. And I was like, I have to do something. And it came to me like, ding, ding, ding. I have to take a cold shower. So I took my first cold shower and I texted my husband immediately. I was like, that was amazing. Oh my God. Like, I feel so alive. Like it changed my mood. It woke me up. I have all this new energy. And uh, so this morning I was like, ah, it's 8.30. I have to take a cold shower. So I'm sharing that because I feel like a lot of people could really use a cold shower right now um, in these weird times we're living in. Cold showers. Amen. <laughs> I got my husband the Wim Hof e-course for Christmas. Oh, yeah. And Great. so yeah. he started listening to that and doing it consistently. And I was very similar, like, good for you, dude. Like, I'm glad it, good. Glad you like it, but I'm, I don't know. <laughs> well, when I'm in the cold shower, I'm like, there's no freaking way I'm getting in an ice bath. But um, who knows? People change, apparently. <laughs> we are teaching our boys, though. So I'm starting to do it just the last cool. like minute or so, right, of oh, the shower. Great. Of, and like starting to introduce it. But even my boys are starting to do it at the end of their shower. So it's been Oh, my gosh. I hope my boys will do that, too. <laughs> it's 
fun. So last but not least, you guys go to tarzank.com. She's got um, amazing resources and freebies for you that you can check out. What is one thing you're working on, Tarzan, that you are really excited about right now? Well, so this is going to be over by the time this episode airs, but I'll talk about it right now because I feel passionate about it. Right now, I'm promoting a program called Impacting Millions. And it's a program about how to get publicity for your business. And something that I've been thinking about a lot lately as we're getting this promotion ready and is like how important it is that we speak out and be visible in our businesses. It's the one, one of those like one things that's like, if you just did this, if you just showed up on your, like your face on your social, your own social channels, but preferably if you spoke on someone else's podcast or you had an article published in Forbes or like, if you just spoke out, this would make such a profound difference in your business. And also it would change the entire climate of what's happening in the world right now. Like currently the narrative that everybody is latching onto is constructed by the media. And the narrative that has been constructed by the media is has an agenda. And that agenda is to sell advertising dollars and to get clicks and comments and shares because that makes more money. So I I feel more strongly than ever. Like I, we had, you know, I was confronted with like, should I cancel this promotion? Should I not do this? Like, is this okay? But I realized like, this is more important than ever. Like I so badly want people to show up and to tell me a different story or tell me what you really think about what's going on in this story today, you know, to speak powerfully and be heard. I just feel so passionate about it right now. And I'm really excited to be working on it. Awesome. Amen. And it is so true. We need our voices, the voices of light, the voices of heart, like this excitement, this passion that's helping people rise up, be louder Mm -hmm. than all the other junk that's out there. (laughs) So thank you, Tarzan, for saying yes, really, to your dream for consistently showing up for you, your business, and your family, for developing and growing into the woman that you are today. And of course, that's going to continue to evolve But because you have said yes, you're giving so many others permission and skills to say yes to their dreams as well. So you guys check out TarzanK.com. Check out her emails. You learn a lot just by reading the emails that you get. And I know she's got amazing resources on there. So thank you so much and have an amazing day. Thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.